Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Erica Zeal. Erica has a health and human performance degree from Iowa State University and over 20 years of experience as a certified personal trainer, Pilates instructor, health coach, and specifically, she's worked as a core exercise and pre and postnatal exercise specialist whose mission is to help women live healthier lives and heal their bodies through movement, wellness, intuition, and breath work, and inspiring women to regain hope, but also experience authentic, life-lasting results. She is also a mom of three and is the founder and creator of Core Athletica, the Core Rehab Program, Knocked Up Fitness Prenatal Membership, and Pre and Postnatal Instruction Training Course, and the host of the Core Connections Podcast, which I have been so lucky to be a guest on. In this episode, Eric and I dive into the do's and don'ts of prenatal and postpartum exercise and the common misconceptions surrounding both. Plus, she shares her best tips for keeping your deep core in shape during pregnancy and how to rebuild it after having baby. Erica knows her stuff, and I've personally been taking her knocked up fitness classes, and they are amazing. So whether you're pregnant, postpartum, or peeing your pants every time you sneeze, this episode is for you. Erica, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on here. I know we were on your podcast at one point and we had so much fun and just had straight, such great conversation. And since then, I've been stalking your Instagram and all your videos, <laughs> especially being pregnant myself now. So I have a lot of questions for you today, you know, personally for me, but also, um, that I know just a lot of women have, and also maybe their partners as well. And just knowing how to support them during that time. So I'm so happy to have you here. Well, Kate, I'm so excited to get to chat again, and I'm so excited for you being pregnant. And, uh, I know you've got a lot of good questions and I've got a lot of great, hopefully tips and, uh, little pieces of wisdom to help share with everybody. Awesome. Well, you know, I love to start just every show with, a little bit more about you and your story and, you know, how did you come about to being so passionate about helping women and, you know, particularly in that like prenatal postpartum phase. And I'm sure there's some connection with your own, uh, experience and journey, but, um, I'd love to hear it from you. Yeah. So there, yeah. So for many of us that do this type of work, right, there's that passion driven, right? Um, so mine, if I make a quick connection back to my childhood, which has nothing to do with pregnancy, but I will make the connection, I promise. Um, I grew up with a lot of knee pain as a kid from like the age of five until 17 when I was finally told by a PT, we lived in the Midwest, right. And finally went up to, you know, uh, what Mayo clinic up in Rochester, Minnesota and had someone tell me, Oh, it's, you know, it's because you're, you need to strengthen your legs. And I was like, what a novel concept, right? I'd been to all these doctors and I was done growing by the time I was like, what, 13, 14. And they kept saying it was growing pains. And so anyway, that's what really propelled me to start, understanding the power of like healing our body through movement and strengthening our body. So that was like that initial piece. That's what propelled me to then go study exercise science, health and human performance at Iowa state. Um, and then from there, actually when I was in college, um, so kind of random and I don't, I can't even tell you exactly where it started other than I think like, I love to like research things and pull up research. And at some point I must've read something about prenatal exercise because I was studying exercise science and I was just very fascinated by exercising during pregnancy. And at the time, like James Clapp, um, he had his research that was done in the eighties was really like the foundation of what we had out there with research and and exercise during pregnancy. And I was just so fascinated by it. And I looked back after college, I was like, I did a lot of my research papers on pregnancy and one shape or another, I remember even doing one on like the effects of caffeine during pregnancy. <laughs> and so it was like just something that I was just drawn to. Um, and then, um, and so then when I moved to California and studied Pilates on a whole deeper level and was just working with more and more, um, clients and also loved working with prenatal clients. And then, um, when I then became pregnant with my first and prior to that, I'd actually taken some prenatal training courses for exercise, you know, and learned a lot, but 
I also, there's also so much I didn't know. And I thought I knew, you know what I mean? <laughs> One of those things yeah. you look back and I was like, oh man, if I could teach my younger self what I know now, I would have had a totally different experience. But then I probably wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing now if I would have had a totally different experience the first go around. So, um, you know, had the first baby. It was crazy. I don't need to go into all the details, but then my, um, second, when I had him, I had kind of this epiphany later on that, um, he was a nuchal cord baby. So the rat, the cord was wrapped around his neck. So every time I would like push his heart rate would plummet. And I remember, you know, it's like time to push baby out. The doctor's like, okay, Erica, you have to push as hard as you absolutely can. We got to get the baby out. And in my head, I'm sitting there like, wait a minute, like I've done this before. There's like, should be no rush, right? They're trying to, they don't want to scare mom and all that thing. Right. So anyway, pushed him out in like three pushes, um, which I don't recommend by the way, we'll talk, we can talk about all that stuff. But, um, but what that led me to understand later on was I was on to something with the deep core training that I was teaching. And in a lot of those situations, um, would have ended up in a, an emergency C-section. And again, I, I'm always very clear with cesareans, right. That they are, there for, you know, a purpose. And I think they can be amazing, but personally I didn't want one if I didn't have to have one. Um, and so that was where I connected the dots on like, Oh, I'm teaching this deep core training. It's actually helping women push baby out, which is a really cool thing we can talk about. Um, and then with my, then when I had my third and when I was pregnant with her, I was like, okay, I was either going to open a studio or I was like, uh, let's create DVDs. Let's film some fitness workouts. Um, that, the core training is, um, is better than what was out there. Cause what I was seeing out there was like women pregnant, really big bellies, still doing crunches. And I'm like, Oh, like just, you can't do that. Like it's not good for your pelvic floor. It's not good for preventing diastasis. It's not actually effective for helping you prepare for birth or recovery postpartum. It can actually lead to a lot of dysfunction. So that was kind of my like intro into like, I'm going to create a prenatal fitness DVD. And then just kind of did one thing after the other, um, since then. So much amazing. Well, so, I mean, so much to unpack and you, now I have even more questions. Um, but let's just start with Erica, because this is the question I get most often from people is just what are the main do's and don'ts for prenatal exercise and with your expertise, because just like you, I've seen out there, it's like the very basic level do's and don'ts, but they really don't go further. Yeah. So let's go. Can we tackle some of the myths first? Cause yeah, I feel like that's go for a good it. place to start. Yeah, yeah. So the old school thought was, okay, whatever you were doing, prior to getting pregnant, you could continue to do during pregnancy, which meant if someone was an intense athlete or doing really, whether, even if they weren't like a quote, like professional athlete, but they were doing really intense workouts, CrossFit running that in their head, then they have like, Oh, I can just continue that until I have this baby. And then there's the other end of the spectrum for say a sedentary woman who then gets pregnant and then is like, well, can I do nothing? right? So we have this extremism. Um, and one thing I always like to talk about is variables, which we can get more into. Um, I'll just mention it right now. So that's a big one is like understanding that that is a huge myth. Um, I've worked with women over the years that again, did not exercise really, you know, a day in her life before she got pregnant. And then there was like that light bulb moment of like, I want to do something now for, you know, me and for my baby. And you absolutely can, and you can get so much stronger during pregnancy. And then on the other end of the spectrum, those that were, you know, prior to pregnancy were working out really hard, really intense. I end up needing to pull her back. If for no other reason, then we want to protect the pelvic floor. <laughs> yeah. If for no other reason than that, it's a pelvic floor conversation. Um, so that's kind of like kind of initial like do's and don'ts like high, high level. Um, some of the other myths are like you can't lay on your back. Um, and I found pretty, you know, quickly and working with so many pregnant women over the years that most women are fine on her back for a couple minutes. I'm not saying like the whole workout session, right? For a couple minutes um, up until usually the very last couple weeks of pregnancy. And this is where, again, it comes back to everyone is individual, right? Everybody's bodies are different. You might feel fine one day and then not feel fine the next and then feel fine the day after that, right? So we have to really take into consideration our own individual bodies um, and the education we learn along the way. So for example, I 
love to teach pelvic tilts and hip rolls where you're like on your back. Everyone knows like the bridge position on your back. So you all can kind of like visualize that, right? So where I teach women how to do like a pelvic tilt, so we're activating our pelvic floor and then we articulate our spine to go up and articulate our spine to go back down where a standard bridge is like up and down, up and down. And we tend to get really tight in the back and we're gripping the glutes. And so when we're doing that articulation movement, we're learning how to properly strengthen our pelvic floor and we're keeping mobility in our spine. And a huge reason why so many women have back pain is postural shifts. And we start to really pull in our low back and we don't keep mobility in our low back. And I will tell you, I, I am blown away the women that I work with, how much movement they can have in their low back. still like literally like 40 weeks pregnant, they can actually articulate their lumbar spine. And that's almost unheard of. So the cool thing is, is we can teach our body how to do so many incredible things. We have to kind of understand that, Oh, this is okay to do. It's not a black and white, like do this and don't do that. I do have a couple, couple things, but it's typically more of still, there's a little like individual individuality to it. And that's the right word, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, so, um, and then the, Oh, the other one I still get is like, Oh, you can't lift anything over your head. I'm like, I, I never understood that Oops. one. I'm like, oh, because if you raise your arms over your head, the cord's going to wrap around the baby's neck. And I'm like, there's no logic. Yeah, that all. does not even make sense and anatomy I, wise. And I'm like, I can never figure that one out. So those are some common ones. I don't know if you have any others that you've question on that you've like heard of. No, I think, I think a big thing, like you said, Erica, is like also like just recognizing in your body too, what feels good and what doesn't, if something doesn't feel good, even if it's technically said, people say it's okay to do while you're pregnant, don't do it. If you have a sharp shooting pain coming from it. Right. Or if you feel comfortable doing something, you know, I've just noticed I've really had to adjust really my just intensity. Not that I was doing things so intense, but even just like going from regular to just less intense, like, you know, and honoring when I'm feeling tired or wiped way sooner than a couple weeks ago, making sure that I'm listening to that, taking a break, doing way more stretching, way more pelvic floor work, and then, you know, strength training, you know, mixed in, but definitely nowhere near what I was doing before. But I want to go back just for anyone listening. That's, you know, the pelvic floor can be very mysterious (laughs) or some people may not even know what it is. I know (laughs) if you can just explain, you know, you're very good at explaining it, but just on the basic level, like one, what is our pelvic floor? And then two, just why is it so important, especially during pregnancy and postpartum and, and I mean, just throughout life to make sure it's in a good place. Great questions. I love talking about the pelvic. I always say like the pelvic floor, I think found me, I didn't go searching for it, but in all the work I've done over the years, you know, it's crazy. Like I have a background in exercise science and Kate, we didn't learn about the pelvic floor in college. It's something that I discovered along the way, understanding more just about deep core and pregnancy and postpartum. And I'm really grateful I, I did. Um, so our pelvic floor, if you can visualize this at the base of your pelvis is, you know, we think of like the whole Kegel conversation and we'll, we'll mm-hmm. weave this in here a minute. So that kind of gives women, Oh, that's what we're talking about down there. Right. Yeah. So, but our pelvic floor, and for those of you watching video, I use my like diamond example. So, um, and if you're not, I'll give you a good um, explanation. So if you're just sitting right now, I'll just sit and explain this. So if you're sitting and you can feel it, visualize this diamond at the base of your pelvis. So from like the pubic bone, the very front, all the way back to the tailbone. And then the sides are the sits bone, that bony part of your butt. And I know some of you are like saying, I don't have a bony part of my butt. I promise you they're there. So if you can visualize like that diamond at the base of the pelvis, that is your pelvic floor. Um, most women have, don't understand how big it is. Cause we have been taught kiggle, 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 right. And squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. And they think it's like a size of a quarter, right? We think it's just this small thing is our pelvic floor 
or the base of our, our pelvis. And it's not, it's much bigger. And while the musculature may be really thin, we have this amazing thing in our body called fascia, which we have layers and layers and layers and different types of fascia. And it connects everything together. I always talk about everything is all connected. We can't even single out just the pelvic floor to work on pelvic floor function. Um, for optimal pelvic floor function, you actually need to learn how to activate the entire deep core, which is why I teach the deep core stuff that I do. And I don't just teach pelvic floor, um, but we have to understand the role our pelvic floor plays and that it is the base of our, of our pelvis. And so if we want to like kind of going into pregnancy, right. For example, um, you know, our pelvic floor, it, goes through a lot with pregnancy because, you know, there's weight of baby pushing down on our pelvic floor throughout that entire nine-ish months. Um, and so whether you're planning a vaginal delivery or a cesarean, remember that during pregnancy, that pelvic floor has had a lot of weight pressing on it. Um, and so I get a lot of women who are like, well, Eric, I'm planning a cesarean, so I don't have to deal with my pelvic floor. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 uh, -uh. like <laughs> we can have honestly just as much pelvic floor dysfunction with a woman who has a cesarean as a woman who has a vaginal birth, something that most women have no idea about. Um, the cool thing is, is, and why I love having the pregnancy conversation is that pregnancy is the best time to learn about your pelvic floor, to learn about your deep core, to create the right balance of strength. And I'll clarify why I say that and not just having a strong pelvic floor because a lot of women, and I deal with this in my core rehab program, which is what I um, have women go to after baby. Um, I get a lot of women in there that have too tight of pelvic floors because they've been runners, crossfitters, like lifting a lot of weights, um, over the years and the pelvic floor can be too tight. And so during pregnancy, what I like to really teach women is like, okay, we've got to find and learn to connect our pelvic floor, which is the strengthening side of it. Um, but we also need to learn how to release and relax and the learning to release and relax through our, within our pelvic floor. And I even add within our pelvis, like the hip bones, right? Our hips are spreading. And I know no pregnant woman wants to hear this, but you, this is like one of those things you have to just trust. I've been doing this for a long time now, like almost 20 years I've been working with pregnant women and it just continually evolves. And education along all these years. And when we can visualize like, okay, our hips are going to spread. So when we learn to work with them, I promise you it comes back easier after. So it's like, and it, it comes down to fascia is really what it is even more so than our musculature system. So when we learn how to release and relax and with our pelvic floor, thinking of it like widening, not pushing down, we want to widen and we want to widen, um, through our hips. Then when we learn to connect, and I always say like, we want to lightly connect through our pelvic floor. Um, and so this is where I know everyone's thinking, so is it like a Kegel, Erica? <laughs> and Kegels, my issue with Kegels is that it's led to a lot of imbalanced pelvic floors where women might be really tight in the front and they negated because they were never taught that there's a pelvic floor in the back of the pelvis, like the lower back of the pelvis, right? So I always typically say, tell women like, kind of just set aside the Kegel word for a minute because we've like created this really strong wire, narrow wiring of the brain that you say the word Kegel and your pelvic floor in the front goes, Ooh, you know, but then we've like negated everything else. So that's why I don't, I don't talk about strengthening your pelvic floor, like doing a Kegel. I actually call it like it's deep core strengthening is what it is. It's like the more in my world, the more correct term so when I'm teaching women this, it's like, okay, let's release and relax through our pelvis and our pelvic floor. Take a deep breath into that. And then as you exhale, you want to lightly draw those four corners of that diamond together and lengthen all the way up through the top of your head and give your baby a gentle hug underneath. And yes, it will draw your belly in a little bit, but the goal is not to like, we're never sucking in. It's a whole conversation we can have, um, but we're giving our, our baby a little bit of support underneath. And that's where then we're activating pelvic floor lightly. And we're also getting the entire deep core to start to activate. And it gives us so much more support. And because you have baby inside your belly, you're going to get that feedback. And, and the body responds so well to tactile feedback that this is the only time in your life when you have a baby inside of your belly. And as baby gets bigger, you'll get more feedback and you're going to get 
the right kind of, you'll become the right kind of strong through your deep core, um, during pregnancy. And then we have all that, you know, muscle, muscle and fascial memory that's there that then once you're postpartum and you pick up right where you left off at the end of pregnancy, like everything just starts to come back together quicker, recovery is easier, even for women who have cesareans because they learned this work. And we hear time and time again from a mom, whether it was a planned cesarean or an emergency that their doctor is like, what were you doing during pregnancy? Because they can tell that tissue is different. Most of them don't need any pain medicine afterwards. They're healing by two weeks postpartum. They're like, Erica, okay, I know you tell me I can't exercise, but I'm like, what can I do? Cause they're like feeling so good. They want to be moving again. And that's what I want for all moms. Like, you know, things don't always go as planned, but we have a lot of power, um, within our own body to prepare it as best as possible. So when emergencies do arise, things don't go as planned or when they even do go as planned, like everything just goes a little bit smoother because you've taken those steps to really educate yourself and your body. And nobody can take that away from you ever. Oh, totally. And then that's like, you know, I think something for me with understanding the pelvic floor, because it really, it's only been maybe a year in or in the last year where I've really focused on it, obviously being pregnant, but a little bit before then, um, and from us connecting too, but like that lifting up mm-hmm. was huge for me and thinking that way in terms of like the strengthening and then relaxing because a lot of the times, which I've heard a lot of people, it's more just clenching. <laughs> they think yeah. like clench versus lift. And that was like an aha moment, but I'm curious because you were just saying like, you know, people are feeling good after and they want to be doing something. Do you recommend Erica to do pelvic floor work before like, you know, that six week Mm -hmm. appointment after or like, yeah. What are your recommendations? Like once baby's there, where do you start And this? You know what? This leads into one of my other questions was like, we always hear like getting your abs back, right? Get, you know, which it's like, okay. Um, but where, like, where would you have women start once baby's born and how would they kind of progress? I mean, you don't have to tell us your whole plan, but yeah, well, we don't have time for that. Exactly. But like generally, yeah. So the general idea, especially with pelvic floor is I tell my moms, I'm like, as soon as baby is born, um, start reconnecting with that pelvic floor, because here's the cool thing is that you can breath work does most of the work in the beginning, especially in the beginning, you don't actually have to exercise. And that's the other thing in pregnancy for women who just don't feel like exercising because they're tired or whatever is going on, or maybe they're even on bed rest or whatever is going on, right? That like, even just the breath work is getting you to connect with your body and connect with baby and connect with your pelvis and your pelvic floor where all the movement in the world will still not connect the way that breath work will. The combination of the two is the best. Um, so in the beginning, and I am really big on those first, you know, six ish weeks postpartum is that we need to be doing movement, but we're not doing structured exercise and quotations. Um, and it's very different. And a lot of what I teach is, I mean, yes, I teach like fitness and exercise too, but as all the years have gone on, like, I actually feel like I'm much more of a, a movement educator (laughs) and less of a like fitness. I love to teach women about their bodies and how to connect and like, Hey, let's slow down. Let's take our time through this. Let's not rush it or force it and do all that kind of stuff. So in those weeks, early weeks postpartum, I really do encourage my moms to do what they can do as far as reconnecting their breath with their pelvic floor. Remember those pelvic tilt tip rolls I was telling you about? Like those are such um, such a good go-to early postpartum. And oh my gosh, they'll feel so good because she can lay on her back with no concern at all. And she, you know, and all of that stuff. So she can start to really wake up her pelvic floor. I like inversion too, where she's up in that bridge and even putting a pillow underneath her her hips to just give that pelvic floor like like let gravity pull it in. You know what I mean? Like that kind of sensation. And then I'm always like, okay, you're nursing baby. Um, you're, you're standing, you're, you're doing different movements during your day. Right. So this is where I, I want everyone to connect the dots of like, we're not, not moving, even if we're doing less and we're resting and we're letting our body heal. 
we still are moving. We, especially, and many of you have a toddler that, or, you know, that you're chasing around. So some moms don't even have a chance to even really get a break. Right. So learn how to hold baby better, learn how to stand better. You're working your core and your body, just standing, you know, get out for some easy walks, strap baby to you. I always think that's such great movement in the beginning. It's good bonding time with baby. And usually baby loves to be all like snuggle up in a wrap, you know? Um, and then, you know, do some light, just rehabilitative movement at home, no weights, no nothing, you know, just really gentle things to wake up the muscle, the musculature and re start to rebalance your alignment because it kind of gets a little wonky during pregnancy <laughs> and there's a lot we can do. So that's what I always do. And like with, you know, moms that do my prenatal program. And then a lot of times two to four weeks, she's like, okay, I'm really ready to start car rehab. And I've, I've now I'm to a place where I'm like, I'm okay with that. But if you start before six weeks, I always encourage her, you're going to spend extra time in those first couple of phases. Um, just because otherwise she gets to phase four way too soon. And I'm like, your body's not ready for that. So knowing that like, there is a lot we can do, but we have to change our mindset of like, we're not in those weeks, well, I don't even think ever the whole body back and abs back. I don't like that thought process. Bounce back. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. And I don't use that. I actually had someone the other day where like, you should use like, get your body back after. Oh, no. And I was like, oh yeah. no, no, no. That is the opposite of what I teach. So ladies listening like that, like that is the opposite. Like I can help you do that, but I do it in a way that is very holistic and healing and nurturing to your body. And actually when you do it that way, in the long run, you're setting yourself up for such better success than trying to take the shortcut. Because what happens? And this is a really common scenario. Okay. So Kate, first time mom, like you're more powerful the first time, right? Body hasn't been through it. And you have to remember too, with the first pregnancy, you're not showing as soon. Your hips haven't spread yeah. as soon with like a second, third beyond baby. By the time I was pregnant with my third, I was like, I knew I was pregnant before I was actually pregnant. I swear, like my body was like, boop, everything pops out like right away, right? As soon as you can see. And so <laughs> you have to remember that by a third baby, um, your body's taken that shape a lot longer than a first baby. So what I see that's quite common, and I'm going to share this because it, it can save a lot of women, a lot of um, heartache and problems with their body is first time mom, maybe even a second time, right? Um, she continues her more intense workouts during pregnancy, um, has her baby, everything goes fine, gets back into maybe even running like four, six, 10 weeks postpartum. And she's really going, going hard. And she notices, oh my gosh, my diastasis is getting worse. Oh, and I'm starting to really pee my pants, but oh, my girlfriend or my mom tells me that's normal after having babies. So I just keep going, gets pregnant again. Next thing you know, she's maybe dealing with severe diastasis, some pelvic organ prolapse. Can I tell everybody what that is? Because a lot of women yes. don't. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> so ladies, um, and I don't say this to scare anybody. I never say anything to scare. I only am here to educate because if you don't know this and then it happens to you, you will feel like, why did someone not tell me this? Um, so pelvic organ prolapse, ladies, is when our organs start to actually fall out of our vagina. Um, and it's really common that our uterus can start to slip out of our vagina, even the bladder and possibly even um, our intestines. I know that sounds very, very amazing picture, right? But the thing is, um, is it can happen a lot younger than most women will realize. Like it can happen in your 20s and in your 30s because the scenario I just shared is really common. And she may even ask her doctor like, oh, well, what can I do with exercise during pregnancy? And the doctor said, well, just keep doing what you've been doing. But there's no conversation about, well, are you peeing your pants? And do you have any pelvic floor pain or back pain or any of that? Because if you have incontinence, if you pee your pants at all, ladies, even an occasional laugh or a sneeze, that is what I say is the very first sign that there's pelvic floor dysfunction going on. And it's time to wake up and really start to bring awareness to what's going on with our pelvic floor. Pregnant, postpartum, never had a baby. It doesn't matter because that is such a common thing. And I'll get people like I have an ad run that says like peeing your pants is not normal. And I'll get people like get all pissy with me. Cause they're like, well, it is normal. And I'm like, yeah, but my whole point is that like, it shouldn't be normal. And we need to be talking about this because this will go on in workout classes. Like why do women wear black leggings to work out? 
So you can't see when they pee their pants. And on Fitness Set, because I, um, a lady who used to do my hair and makeup for my DVDs, and she did stuff for, I won't say the big company, but really big company out there that did um, fitness videos. She would tell me that after, because she'd be on set, you know, doing everyone's hair and makeup. She was like, yeah, there'd literally be spots of pee on the set from women peeing their pants. And I'm like... I mean, I'm not laughing at the fact that it's funny. No. It's like, it's like, how it's more is more like, that, yeah. Why do we think that's normal? Yeah. yeah. Why do we think that's yeah. okay? And there is a lot you can do. And here's the thing. And because I also see women, you know, on the other end of the spectrum that have had to have a hysterectomy. And when she realizes, oh my gosh, I could have actually been learning how to properly strengthen my pelvic floor, but my doctor didn't tell me, my surgeon just told me I can have surgery to fix it. And a hysterectomy, which again, I know for those of you on the younger side are like, that seems like something that will never happen to me, but it does happen to a lot of women. And actually it can happen a lot younger than you may realize. And actually having a hysterectomy to fix organs falling out doesn't necessarily even fix things. We've had that conversation on my, my podcast because, um, it, then you don't have that tensegrity of the fascia holding things in. So it's not even a necessarily a good fix. It's just a common one. And then you have women in fifties and sixties having hysterectomies and they're like, you know, they feel like just, you know, a loss of themselves and are in tears. Cause they're like, I didn't know I could work on my incontinence at a younger age. Cause they just, someone either wanted to give them a pill or a surgery or like, Oh, that's just normal. Wear a pad, whatever it is, wear black leggings. Like, I don't know. And my whole thing is that we can do something about it. And so this, but these conversations need to be happening younger and also know that it's, it really is never late too late to turn it around. And we have women that I work with that have pelvic organ prolapsing and I can never, I, 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 that's such more of like so many more variables with that. It's like, what's the degree of it. Right. And stuff versus like, if you're peeing your pants, I, I actually like to say when you do my core rehab program, you follow it the way it is. We offer coaching with it, which I love because then I like to like be able to help add little things for women to, um, make it a little more personalized. But like when you follow it the way it's supposed to be done, we get rid of incontinence a hundred percent. Like I like, like legitimately, like that's really cool when you think about that. So cool. And with pelvic organ prolapsing, there's more variables. So that's a little bit harder to like guarantee because, you know, yeah, and always say, but what we do see is we see huge improvement in symptoms, which then tells me, we which, obviously which are Erica, doing- can we, what would some of those signs and symptoms be? Like if someone's listening oh. and they're like, oh gosh, do I have prolapse? Like what, how would I even know? Or what well, do you see never, most commonly? I personally never had it, but what I hear from women is they'll say they feel a bulge coming out of their vagina basically. And, okay. um, yeah, so understanding that like, there are a lot of things that we can do. And I also like to talk about the mindset behind it too. (laughs) So our our mindset that we have for our health and our wellness and our body, um, I think really, really helps, helps everyone so that we like know anything's possible for our body. Like I'm of that belief, right? Even if you've been told by this person or that person, like, Oh, well, you're going to have to deal with this for the rest of your life. I'm still of the belief that we can at least make your life even better. So you can go do the things you want to do in life. Cause it's at the end of the day and the pelvic floor stuff really gets in the way of women living their life of not being able to go run around and jump around with their kiddos on the trampoline and, you know, just little things like that. And it should be possible. <laughs> yeah. Or even, you know, I'll hear a lot of women, like when their kids are young, they're like, Oh, I'm just going to get through it. Right. Which is a lot of other, like, I'm just going to get through it. I'll deal with it later, but I'm sure you can speak to (laughs) waiting that length of time. Right. You're, yeah, you just have more and more dysfunction there. And then it's much tougher later. You know, this is, it's almost like something I talk about with like your metabolism, right. It's like wanting to focus on it early on because the longer you wait, the tougher it is to kind of get it back and get it in a good place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about running for a minute? Because yes, I always feel please. like this is, this is a huge question that comes up, um, is women who want to keep running during pregnancy and get back to running postpartum. Are you a runner? No. You run a little bit. <laughs> no, you're like, no, uh, no, <laughs> I, you know, what? it's funny. Erica. I will take a sprint any day over like, like a, a jog. Walk, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably like the athlete in me, but yeah, no, I haven't, I've done zero running since being pregnant. Yeah. 
I'm with you. I'm more like, let's do a sprint and then enjoy. Or like a, I love like an incline walk that that's my running. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So let's talk about running. Cause this is like, I don't know, one of the most like number one questions I get all the time, whether it's pregnancy or postpartum and all that. So during pregnancy, and I'm not a hardcore no during pregnancy, but here's my guideline is do you pee your pants when you run? Do you have any aches and pains when you run? Um, when you, when you're running and when you get done running, do you feel better and more energized? And if you can say like all you check the box on all those, right? Like there's no pee in your pants, there's no aches and pains and you feel amazing. Then you can keep running. Okay. You may have to take your intensity back. You may have to shorten. Maybe you have to start doing like a little jog and then a walk and a jog and a walk. Right. But as soon as that incontinence starts to start, starts to start, which is really common. Um, I think it happens with, I, I don't know. Cause I guess I haven't done a study on this, but I would say it is probably 90% of women that it will start happening to at least who are runners. Um, you know, sometime in that 35 ish weeks, if not sooner. Um, and then, um, Sorry, I had a total thought that just left. <laughs> so is the in, in so if you're experiencing incontinence, there were your three boxes, or yeah. if you're starting to like not feel good after, right? Or yeah. not energized. Yes. So if any of those you're like, it's starting to happen, then you need to stop running. And I know a lot of women are like, but that's like gives me like my clarity, my mm-hmm. sanity, right? And the thing is, is you have to look at pregnancy really is a relatively short period of time. I know sometimes it seems really long. I've been there. I had three. (laughs) So you just have to like kind of take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Like, okay, well, why, why should I trade it out? Maybe just start biking, right? If you're a biker too, or like do something in replace of it that is less intense, um, but still giving you that physical movement. Right. Um, now let's talk about postpartum. So postpartum is, wait, Erica, can I actually, can I ask a really quick question on that with the biking piece of it? Because I feel like so many people have told me, especially with the pandemic, if they've gotten a Peloton or some type of at home bike, does, how does biking work? Does it work with your pelvic floor against it? Like if you're doing, and if you're doing like those high intensity or interval classes, it's better than running because it's not okay. the impact of running. I yeah. have no problem with biking. If someone's like conditioned for it, again, it's that whole thing of like, could someone work up to biking that previously didn't? Sure. And she feels okay. great doing it. Awesome. If she's getting back pain, knee pain, any of that stuff, okay, we have to re-situate the alignment on her bike. I have major issues with some of the stuff that's taught biking. So yeah. like when you ladies are activating your core, don't suck your belly in. I know they cue that a lot, but do the lift that I taught you all earlier, This, which is very simplified, but it's the overall. Um, okay. Postpartum running. Good, okay. Yeah. You know, I cut you off. so no, 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 yeah. sorry. it's okay. Uh, okay. So postpartum running, um, the thing that everyone has to re- re- realize, and they may not know is that we, the relaxing hormone, which is present the day we get pregnant, basically, um, it can stay for a good six months postpartum. And the thing with that, why that piece of information is really important is our risk for injury is so much higher when we have relaxant in our body, especially our pelvic floor. Um, and so this is where we can tend to see a lot of women that maybe they did back off on their running during pregnancy, but they get back to running too soon postpartum. Like I'm talking two, four, six weeks. I'll see, I'll hear moms going back and running. And all I hope is I'm like, please don't let her vagina or her uterus fall out of her vagina. Right. That's what what I'm thinking because I've heard those stories. I have a lot of friends who are physical therapists that deal with this. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like women have no idea. And so again, it's that whole thing of, okay, I always tell my moms, like you need to wait as close to six months really before you start running. No, I know no one wants to hear that, but for longevity and health of your pelvic floor, that's the number one reason, right? You're let, you're not as likely to like injure hips and all that, um, as you are your pelvic floor, because we need to take that time after having a baby to really rehabilitate our pelvic floor. Again, it doesn't matter with a C-section or a vaginal delivery. 
we need to reconnect that um, in a really safe, effective way, and then work on gradually building our body up to being able to run eventually. Um, so that's my best advice with running. And I know I have so many women, they don't like to hear it, but when they trust me on it, like, okay, here's a really cool story. And I hear a lot of these that come out of core rehab where I had a mom once who had five babies, um, and she was a hardcore runner and she was like, okay, I finally like talked her down. I was like, okay, you just like, just trust me and just wait on running. Like you can go walk all you want. You can even bike, um, but just follow the program and like trust that this is doing what it needs to do. And then when you get back to running, you're going to be so much stronger. You're not going to have the pelvic floor dysfunction. You'll be so grateful you waited and really rehabilitated your body in the right way. She gets back to running. I don't know what the timeline was, but I know it was well after six months postpartum with her fifth baby, she was like, Erica, not only do I have no dysfunction, no pain, no pain, my pants. She's like, I'm running faster now after five babies than I was before kids. And I'm like, yeah, amazing. Like, like it's so cool what our body really is capable of doing. We just are so in that, like go hard or go home mentality of losing the baby weight, getting our abs back. And like, it's actually working against us. And if you would actually, yeah. everyone would actually slow down, really become more in tune and intuitive with their body and really heal it and allow time. Like when I say allow time, I'm not saying don't do anything because you'll just get weaker. Like you do need to do the rehabilitative movement, the breath connection, all that which is what I teach everybody to do, but it works. It's, it's like magic. It's really cool, but it doesn't happen overnight and it does take commitment and consistency, but everyone is always so grateful when they do commit and put in the time and they learn so much about their body. And that's what I also love about motherhood and pregnancy and postpartum is whether it's a first baby or a sixth baby, we're always learning new things about our body. And it's such a great time to just be more open and learn more about ourselves. And, you know, we get so in this rat race of life and keeping up with our job or, you know, our kids or whatever is going on that we sometimes forget about ourselves to like a deeper level, not just like the surface level of like exercise and eat healthy. Like I'm like literally like connecting within yourself. And that's where I feel like the deep fascial work. I teach the deep pelvic floor work it brings women to this whole amazing deeper level with themselves. It's so fun. Yeah. And it's so, and exciting. they see results. Yeah. yeah like Erica, you get great results. And that's where like, I think too, it's just trying to break this myth that postpartum, you know, getting your abs back or all that. It's like the crunch versus the deep core work. It's like, yeah. go the deep core work route, please. Like, yeah. please. And you're going to see results. Right. So, and you're going to be set up so much better. Like you said, and that's, you know, it's so great to hear too, being a first time mom, it sets you up so much better too, for your next couple of pregnancies, because you do hear that a lot from women that their first pregnancy, you know, they, they felt good pretty soon after. And, but then as they had more kids, things changed and things changed and they just progressed. So, um, I love that. I mean, honestly, I'm going to share, we could talk, I know. I think for the rest of the day, um, cause I still have more, but I'm really curious because I know you have three kids, correct? Yes. And you run a business yes. and you have a lot going on. What are your non-negotiables when it comes to your wellness routine for yourself? Mm -hmm. So one of them is I sauna. Um, once a week is typically my minimum. I'll tell you this last, I went a week and a half this last week and a half. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hadn't done that in like three years. And I was like, okay, you have to stay on it. It's like my one thing. Um, so my sauna doing my once a week detox is huge for me, which um, side note, don't detox when you're pregnant and postpartum. <laughs> you have to wait till you're done nursing. Um, that's a whole other conversation we could have. Um, eating healthy. I'm like a healthy food junkie. I don't know, whatever, you know what I mean? Like I'm just, maybe I'm over the top about it, but it works for me and I love it. And I know you resonate with the, the food side of things. Um, and so like, I, I don't veer very far from it because I've recognized what makes me feel good. And people from the outside might be like, how do you do it? But for me, it works and I don't have a problem with it. Right. 
Um, and then getting out and doing a walk in nature. I try to do it daily if possible. Weather doesn't nice. always um, allow, but um, if I so if I don't get to go out and walk, obviously I like my bloody studio down here. I have my bike in the house, which has been good in the winters when it gets really cold here and I can't go outside. So those are kind of like my three like things that I'm very consistent on. <laughs> I love that. What would you say, Erica? What's like a typical day for you, I would say eating wise. And then also like, how do you factor in that you time with having your kids and everything? So, well, I'm at a stage in my life where my oldest is 14 and my youngest is nine. So it is very different now than when they were little, little, because yes, when they're little and babies and toddlers, like you, it it can be a little bit more challenging to find you time. Usually you've got to like have a babysitter or be like, Hey spouse, like mama needs a break. Right. And pass them off where, I mean, I'm at this point, my oldest is babysitting now. So like, I can literally just be like, Hey guys, I'm going for a walk. I'll see you in an hour. You know? So I am at that stage in my life where I can do it a lot easier because I don't have to be like a hawk on my kids and make sure I'm not going to run out in the street and do all that. Um, but even when they were younger, I would say, you know, it really is asking for help when they're littler and just not feeling guilty about it. Being like, when you take care of yourself and you do prioritize yourself and not in a selfish way, just in a way of like, Hey, I need to take care of my health because pregnancy and nursing will deplete your body. We should talk about that. That's a whole other conversation we could have one day. And I talk a lot about that because we don't recognize. So this is why it is so important. And it doesn't have to be an hour every day, ladies. Like it could literally just be like, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there to do a little thing that nourishes you. Um, not just food wise, but other nourishing things. Um, mindset is huge. I love mindset stuff because we can do that without actually carving out time in our day. Um, so that's a big thing I've implemented a lot more over the last couple of years would have really benefited me when my kids were even littler, but I teach it now to everybody else. Um, Sorry, I feel like I kind of veered off on your question. <laughs> no, no, I love that. That's what, no, but just finding like those little and finding what works for you. Cause yeah. I also, you know, like to talk to people too about like everyone's you time is different. Like it's whatever nourishes you, it's whatever makes you feel good. It doesn't have to be what someone on Instagram is telling you to do as your you time or um, what you think you should be doing. Your you time doesn't have to be your exercise time. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It does not have to be your you time. (laughs) No. And I'm always telling my students, I'm like, you know, with, especially with like core rehab, because I know everyone's busy and you know, all that I'm like, the thing is like, yes, I teach you the movements, but the deeper level stuff is like what you're learning is apply it to your day. Right. Cause even if we are like, you're doing a really good job at exercising 30 to 60 minutes a day, like that's awesome. But how is your movement? How is your posture? How is your breathing? How is your thought process? The other hours of your day. Yeah. And it's the combination. And so that's why it's like, even now I'm doing more coaching um, with smaller group coaching and like really working on the deeper like mindset stuff and helping women reframe their days. And so it's all not about doing more ladies. It's about being in alignment. Like that's like the like deeper, like it's just being in alignment with what works for you. Maybe 10 minutes a day is enough for you. Maybe you're like, no, I need to go do an hour. Like that's fine. But don't feel like you, like you said, Kate, like, don't feel like you have to do what someone else is telling you to do. It's really finding what works for you. And I love that alignment over balance in a way, right? Like yeah. using that word alignment instead of balance. I really love that. Yeah. Um, Oh, other question was, so what's a good day of like nourishing your body for you in terms of food wise that you've, I mean, I'm sure you've gone through just like anyone have what feels good to you, but what does that typically look like for you? So I've actually shifted my nutrition the last couple of weeks because I've been doing some deep, like with the functional lab work that I can do with everyone. I've been doing that on myself and I was like, okay, there's still something lingering. So I'm really going to try and do a little bit more protein, higher fat. So I don't call it keto. I'm not like a big, like super big on like a specific diet. I would say if anything I'm eating, yeah, yeah, if anything, (laughs) I'm probably eating more paleo, if you want to call it that. Right. I've really cut out like, not that I was eating many grains before, but I like cut them a hundred percent. Cause I'm just like kind of experimenting with my own body. And I want to see, cause after I had mold toxicity in 2018, I've been like, there's this like in general, I'm healthier than I've ever been, but there's like a lingering thing. And I'm like, let me see what happens with plans. And I always encourage women, like experiment with your body a little bit like that. Just, you know, like if you're intuitively being called to something, that's what I was feeling like, you know what? 
I was really eating so many vegetables, which I know are so healthy for me, but still dealing with a couple things that I was like with my digestive system that I was like, "Mm, I shouldn't be. And so let me like shift it a little bit, eat more proteins, eat more fats, um, you know, cut out some of the the, the foods that can kind of irritate your stomach. And again, remember it's not forever, right? It's just like a period of time. Yes. Cause I've that's got a very this, good point. Yeah. I want to make sure to mention that. Cause it's like not forever. My goal is that, you know, I'll be able to add it all back in eventually and have no problems, but, and, and I've done this cycle a couple of times, right? So it's you're just healing like every, your gut right now. It, every cycle is like a layer of healing and a yep. layer of healing. And when you've had it. the toxicity, like I had a couple of years ago, like it really does a number to your gut. So it's, in retrospect, I'm like in three years, I've done amazing at healing. Um, and so again, you can heal your body from, I would like to say anything. (laughs) I love that. Well, you know what? We'd love to end every episode with a little rapid fire Q and a. So just first thing that comes to mind, Erica. Okay. (laughs) What is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Going out for a walk in nature. Okay. Love it. Uh, coffee or tea? coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon. Anything like, do you put anything in your coffee or are you just straight? Uh, a little almond milk. Typically. Love it. Sometimes some coconut cream. I do you have a favorite tea in the afternoon. Um, I do the Saqqara detox tea and sometimes I'll do some mint teas. I change it up. Yeah. I'm like, a, I'll do something for a while and then I change it. And then I, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. My personal favorite, what is your favorite home cooked meal? Mm, try to, Oh yeah. That was sweet potatoes and a salad. I'm like, oh, I that so on good. <laughs> <laughs> Especially being pregnant right now. I'm like, Oh, anything red meat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, Erica, thank you so much. I mean, this, like we said, we could go on and on and maybe we'll have to have you back on so we can finish some of our conversation. Um, but where can people find you, connect with you, learn more, learn more about your core rehab program, which is something I'm pretty sure I'm going to be doing, um, after I have my baby, because it's just nice to have the guidance too. And also, I have a feeling my brain cells may be a little bit less at that point. So I'm going to need someone to just tell me exactly what to do. (laughs) Um, But where can people learn more? So you can find everything that I do on my website at ericazeal.com or my prenatal website is knocked up fitness. So that one's really easy to remember. And then social media is both. Erica Zeal or Nocta Fitness. And of course, I always invite, if you have any questions at all, just reach out to me. Instagram um, is really easy, really easy place. I love it because I can leave voice messages for people, which yes. I always love because I can tell more and it saves me time. <laughs> so I always say, just reach out to me on Instagram if you have a question um, about anything. And I, if I don't know, I'll help guide you in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, guys, for more tips, just go to Erica's Instagram or Facebook page. She has so many videos and like a lot of them are short reels or IGTVs. And even on YouTube, you have a good amount of stuff too. And just to learn a bit more, but I highly encourage everyone, if you haven't even thought about your pelvic floor, especially if you're pregnant or postpartum, but even just a woman in general, Mm -hmm. start to think about it and start to learn more. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank you so much, Kate. This was so fun. (laughs) Start making your pelvic floor a priority. Try activating your pelvic floor a few times per week using Erica's tips or videos on social media, improving not only your pelvic floor strength, but also the strength of your deep core. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. You can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I share various daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.